cup of tea tales, Stainbeck Preparatory School, Hare Hills County Primary School, dip pens, inkwells, pea shooters, learning to write, happy times. I learned to write at Stainbeck Preparatory School and I don't remember it ever being a chore. Once I'd managed the skill, I was away. We wrote journals every morning and as we got a little older, stories and some science notes, which were more about nature. When I looked at one of the books my mother kept, I noted that in 1961 my writing changed from capitals to cursive within a two-week period. I can only assume that we spent those weeks practising cursive style diligently. I know that when I started Hare Hills at age seven, I was writing cursive from then on. The jump from lovely small Steinbeck to Hare Hills was a bit of a shock, but at least the travelling time was much shorter. I can't say that I didn't enjoy my time at Hare Hills CP School, apart from the caretaker sending me to see Mr Wilson for chasing around the cloakroom. They were some of the happiest times of my life. Compared to Steinbeck Prep School, which was so homely and quaint, Hare Hills seemed enormous. Classes were large and the primary school probably had about 300 children. The school comprised the infant school that I never attended and the primary school that was on the right-hand side and the level above. There were two playgrounds and our primary one consisted of a sloping walled tarmac-covered yard with the caretaker's house in the corner. School caretakers used to live on the grounds in these times and I suppose it meant that there was someone keeping an eye on the premises 24 hours a day and seven days a week. They all disappeared when I started teaching, which was a shame and probably led to an increase in vandalism and break-ins. I'm not sure that the caretaker or his wife would have enjoyed their walls being used as the cricket stumps or the soccer goals, but maybe they just got used to the constant thumping during morning and lunch breaks. For the first couple of years, the toilets were outside and fairly dire, they were bitterly cold in winter and not places you'd want to linger. They replaced them after a year or two and I think the new ones were a temporary building and certainly an improvement. The entire school was structurally suspect though and was probably the reason it was demolished. We were told that the hall floor upstairs wasn't strong enough to hold an audience of parents seated on chairs which meant we didn't have concerts where parents could attend. I remember very well being asked to come out of Mr Kelly's class and to jump up and down on the hall floor whilst the surveyors measured the movement. Again, I'm not sure that children would be used as guinea pigs nowadays. Regardless of all the school's faults, I and the other children didn't care. It was our school and it offered a world of opportunities and you just got used to lining up, marching across the crossing and down the road to have lunch in the hall under St Aidan's Church, getting onto double-decker buses to go for sports on the soldiers' field, changing on the bus or in the classroom, and I think occasionally walking to swimming through Potter Newton Park. It was just part of our everyday experience. I'd loved Steinbeck Prep and I loved Hare Hills. In those days, it was full of interesting things that had their own season or you experienced as you moved through the school. My first class had metal double desks which were heavy and immovable. These were replaced by more modern ones. I remember the time that we got ink pens. It was a major milestone and was full of mystery and special utensils. Inkwells had a large hole at the top of the desk and the little pots had to be topped up with ink on a regular basis. 
Only the most trusted became inkwell monitors. The ink had to be mixed with water, and any ink on your fingers seemed to remain forever. The pens were bare wooden dowel with a metal clip that held the nib. The first time we got one, it was special. I don't think they were ever new, but that didn't really matter. The nibs were new, at least for the first day, and they were bright, shiny, silvery, sharp and pointed. The pointed end was split and there was a hole halfway down the nib where the ink collected and flowed along the split as you added pressure. The watery ink took a long time to dry and we were issued with small squares of blotting paper. Writing with the pens was an acquired skill and it took a lot of practice to avoid tearing the paper, smudging the writing or blotting your work. It must have been hell for left-handed children as their hand would pass over the fresh writing as they wrote. In these days there weren't many allowances made for left-handers, and in Catholic schools being left-handed, sinister in Latin, was seen as the work of the devil. The devil sat at the left of us all, and hence salt was thrown over the left shoulder into the eye of the devil if it was spilt. Children would be chastised if they used their left hands, regardless of whether that was the natural side. That didn't happen at Hare Hills, at least not when I was there, but I don't remember any left-handed scissors or the like. We had special books that our parents had to buy when there were exercises for us to practice and copy the cursive style. One thing about Steinbeck Preparatory School was that I was taught to write using block capitals as my four exercise books that my mother kept shows. And this meant I had no idea how to print. And in fact, it was a skill I had to learn as an adult when I became a teacher. At our hills, we used cursive handwriting. And as a result, I was never taught or learned to print. We were taught how to hold a pen correctly, how to use the blotting paper to dry the ink and how to use the correct pressure to avoid blotting. Of course, there was a wide variety of skill levels in the class and some unfortunate children did feel Mr Kelly's wrath and his famous angels and ministers of grace defenders phrase would be used when exasperated. The classroom had bare rough floorboards and we soon got the skill of using the pens as darts. Thrown with the right amount of force and direction, we could get them to stick in the floorboards and they would wobble just like Robin Hood's arrows would do in a castle doorway. Of course, this didn't do the nibs much good, and the ends would become crossed and prove difficult to write with. We bent them back into shape, but they were never as good again, until finally we plucked up the courage to ask Mr Kelly for new ones. If we found him in a good mood, then we would return to our desks with a replacement. If he wasn't, there would be a public dressing down on the ability to look after school property, before we were allowed to return to our places, shamefaced in front of the class. The other use for our writing equipment was the making of blotting paper and ink balls. If the paper was soaked with ink, then it could be rolled into a soggy ball of indigo, and then we could either flick the balls at other children sitting around us, or, if it was pea-shooter season, blow the balls of paper and ink at the back of the heads of children sitting in front of you. The pea shooters could be bought from the tobacconist stroke sweet shop across the road from the school. We would get dried peas from home and the tubes of metal had a cone of plastic mouthpiece. They were about eight inches long and you placed the ammunition in the hole at the mouthpiece with a sharp, powerful blow sent the peas shooting out with force. The hard peas could be quite painful, but in the instance of blotting paper balls there was no pain, just an indigo stain on the head, face or hair.
The one thing that was essential was to be fully aware of what the teacher was doing. It would have been more than your life was worth to be caught, and so he tended to wait until Mr Kelly left the room. It only took a moment for warfare to break out as numerous pea-shooters would appear, be loaded and the projectiles fired. We would wait all day, maybe even two or more, before the opportunity arose, but it was well worth the wait. I mentioned that most toys had a season, and I think this was because eventually marbles, whipping tops, pea-shooters, etc. would be banned at school. I assumed that Mr Wilson or Mr Kelly would have had a word at the shop to ask them not to sell them, and so they disappeared before returning the next season. Of course, I didn't realise this at the time. It's only with adult teacher eyes that I realised what was going on. The use of the dip pens was phased out during the second year that I was in Mr Kelly's class. New ballpoint pens were introduced. They were primary coloured pens that tapered towards each end. They were about pencil length, and with their arrival, something sad happened, as the dip pens and all the ritual vanished overnight. The ink monitors and equipment, as well as the skills we'd honed, were replaced, and the modern world impinged. Technology made dip pens obsolete, and the history from quills to the school dip pen ended. Mr Kelly even showed us how to make a dip pen using a large feather, and he used his penknife to cut and split a nib. Technological advancement has brought many wonderful blessings, but it does come as a cost. And I'm sure that there are others who look back fondly on the simple times we grew up in. I guess every generation feels this, and I'm sure my father did. I know that he wrote on a slate at primary school in Scotland. If you enjoy my tales, then you might be interested in knowing that there are two collections of them. The first, A Cup of Tea Tales, The Early Years, and the second, Another Cup of Tea, The Teenage Years. Both are available as paperback from Amazon and ebooks from Kindle.